Well, once again, welcome to Palm Sunday. I'm so glad you're here. We're celebrating that together. And um, I guess I didn't get the memo that we were wearing like bright colored clothes and uh, palms and all that. I'm wearing my gunmetal gray and navy. <laughs> but it is an exciting day. It is a fun day, Palm Sunday, watching the kids celebrate. And, and, and Palm Sunday is, a, is this great day where we celebrate what the people of God did on that day when, when Jesus entered Jerusalem. He was entering into that, that city, that holy city, that capital city, and he was going to come in and establish his kingdom in a new way. And it's actually kind of a, to me in some ways, it's a little bit of a strange day that we celebrate in the life of the church. And, and I mean, again, some of the kids like waving palm branches, what's that, what's that all about? And, and obviously there's, the, there's this thinking back to that original, that first Palm Sunday where when Jesus came into the city, he was riding a donkey. Right? Isn't that kind of weird? We're, we're worshiping and celebrating this, this king, this savior who comes into town riding a donkey and people are waving palm branches and they're putting their, their coats down. But he is worthy of praise. He's called the king and they're, they're celebrating who he is. But what I think is interesting is what are they celebrating? Are they celebrating this uh, the Messiah, which who they believe has come to save them? But what are they thinking? What are they thinking about? They're thinking that Jesus is coming now and he's going to kick some butt. He's going to get in there, and he's going to throw out the Romans. He's going to establish his kingdom. This is the moment. This is the time where, where, the, where, the, where the people are now going to rise up again. The Romans are going to get out of there, and this is going to be our new kingdom. Have you seen this Jesus and what he can do? He's got miracles, and he's got power. And Oh, this is our moment. He's coming into town. Exciting. But we know the events of the Easter story, don't we? We know where things go, and it's a different understanding of what power is. And we're, what control looks like and, and, and strength. And today we're actually going to talk about this idea how Jesus wanted to establish a different way, a different approach of understanding power and strength. He was establishing a kingdom, but a different kind of kingdom, a different kind of power. And so today we're, we're in our series All In, and we're looking at this fourth part, loving the Lord your God with all your strength with everything you have, with all your power. And, and we're in the series of All In that we've been looking at these last several weeks, which is based out of Mark chapter 12, verse 30. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? What's the most important thing that you can do? We should all take listen, right? And he quotes this, this uh, scripture back from the Old Testament. He says, love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and he says, and love the na your neighbor as yourself. But this first part of the commandment, loving God with everything that we have. Is that possible? As we think about that, I think all of us, as we go, have we been loving God with everything we have, heart, soul, mind, and strength? And I wonder if we kind of feel like, I think I've fallen short a little bit. That feels like an awfully high bar, isn't it? It's a high bar to set, how do we love God with everything we have? And we've been saying it throughout the series. We're only able to be all in for Jesus because Jesus was all in for us first. It's a response to his love. It's a response to what he's done. And through this whole series leading up to Easter and the season is really a season of preparation. Every year as you lead into that season into Easter, we take time to really do some soul searching. And we're asking us this ourselves this question, what's holding me back from fully following Jesus? What's holding me back from fully loving Jesus with everything that I am? And each week we've been trying to raise these, these questions saying, what's holding you back? Heart, soul, mind, strength. We've been led through some great teachings over the last couple of weeks and just give another round of applause again for Pastor Diane and Pastor Kyle just uh, sharing some amazing uh, messages for us. And, and we're so blessed to have such uh, gifted teachers on our team and on our staff. 
And even the, we have a teaching team that meets every week, and the two, those two are part of that, as well as, as Noah, who's preached a few messages, and uh, Pastor Tim, new to our team as well, and you'll be hearing from him in the future. And uh, we're just blessed to be surrounded by, by some great, great teachers and leaders. And so we've been diving into this question, what's holding us back? So when you think about loving God with, with all your strength, and I think about that for myself. What does it look like to love God with all my strength? And I have this desire in me, like just to, like, to take the sword, to charge the hill and say, Raw, let's go. Let's do this, right? Let's get out there. Let's serve Jesus. God, I want to serve you with all my strength, with everything that I have. But in the end, I look back and I realize sometimes the strength isn't there. The energy isn't there. I feel weak I feel like I don't have everything to give. I want to. The desire is there, but, but I fall short on that. You know, strength has been a part of, uh, of, of my journey as well. as like trying to, you know, get in the gym since I was a young guy and trying to work out and build muscles and doing all that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, you get older and you got family and then a pandemic hits and I've still been faithfully paying my gym dues for the last two years and I've gone once. Um, it's my guilt offering, you know, it's one of these times, it's there, it's waiting for me. At one point, well, I'll go back in, you know, and I've traded my sword for a donut. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone else? <laughs> right? We trade the sword for a donut, and now it's like, you know, what are we binge watching on TV, and, and what's, what's going, you know, and, and this idea of, God, I want to love you with everything I have, but I just don't know. I'm tired. I'm worn out, and, and you want to offer that strength, but Sunday morning comes, and you know, you're going to get up for church, are you going to turn it on, are you going to watch, are you going to serve, are you going to get ready? God, do I have the strength to give you what, I, what you are asking for? And it feels weak, and I feel like, okay, loving God with all my strength, maybe it's more like loving God with some of my strength. I mean, I think we're all trying to love God with some of our strength, right? We're trying to do something. I mean, you're here today, you're doing energy, but what, is it, what does it look like to love God with all, 100%? But I don't know if you can relate to this. It feels like everybody in life wants 100%, don't they, from you? You know, if you're married, your spouse wants 100%, right? You should give your spouse 100%. Your kids want 100%. At work, your boss wants 100%. Your employees, your coworkers, they want 100%. If you're in school, do you ever notice that every teacher wants 100%? It gets annoying, right? I mean, I get, how much do I have to go around? Your coach wants 100% on the team. Everybody wants 100%. You come to church, you're supposed to give 100%. You're volunteering, you're serving somewhere, give 100%. At least with our giving, we only have to give 10%, right? That's the 10%. But, but even 10%, that seems like a lot. God, right? And then you read the scriptures and you look, and now God's saying, I want 100%. Well, how much of you is there to go around? How much is there when you feel empty? How do you love God with all your strength when you feel like you have nothing left to give? That's what we're going to look at today. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into that and just let's uh, pause and pray and just ask God to open our hearts as we open his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that it brings and the challenge that it raises in us. Father, some of us here today are worn out. We're tired. We feel weak. Maybe it took great effort and energy just to, to be here or to tune in. But God, we ask for your strength. Speak to us today in Jesus' name, amen. So Mark 12, 30, right? Love the Lord your God with all your strength. What is that word strength? Well, when Jesus used that word strength, as it's translated into the Greek, it's iskus, right? And it just means strength. It means power. It means might. But when you look back at the original in, in uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, which, was, which is what Jesus was quoting, 
the, the, the Shema as it is in the Old Testament, love Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What, what it's saying there, the word that is used in the Greek is actually a very interesting word. It's the Greek word me'od, me'od. Say that for me, me'od, right? There you go, there's your, your language lesson for today. Me'od is interesting because me'od doesn't really mean strength. Me'od is actually like this little verb, this little, not a verb, it's a little adverb, very. It really means the word very. Love the Lord your God with your very. Another word is love the Lord your God with your muchness. Love the Lord with, with everything. This, this idea of your muchness. Love your, have you loved your God with muchness? Think about that, right? How do you love with muchness? But I think many times we, we love God with littleness. We love God with what's left, but this idea of muchness, how do I pour everything in? How do I give my strength and my effort towards God? And I wonder if some of us could be exerting a little more effort in our relationship with God and, and serving God and loving God. And we have scripture like we see here in 2 Timothy 1.17, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity. No, he's given us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. We have a spirit of power. Right? There's strength there. There's something behind us that we can pour in and give to God. Love and loving God, this is, this is a verb. Right? Love is action. When we've talked the last several weeks about heart, soul, and mind. Those are a little bit harder to, to sometimes grasp. Right? Loving God with our heart and, and our mind and our soul. But now when it comes to strength, this is about like now effort, muchness, pouring in, doing something about it. In James, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must what? Do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. So there's no question when it comes to love, right? It's not just enough in life, right, with relationships and other people just to say, you know, I love you, and then never do anything to show that you love, to never exert any effort, to never put anything forth, right? You'd be like, is that really love? Or are those just words? Are those just empty feelings? The strength part, this muchness, is where it begins to take action. And what we know is that love costs us something. Love requires effort. Love requires energy. And I've got to put something forth in that. It requires sacrifice, giving of myself. Jesus said, when you've loved the least of these, you are loving me. When you are serving, when you are giving, when you are doing. And that's why the church has always been called. And followers of Christ have always been called to exert effort and energy into loving God and into doing that through our actions. And so we give and we, we serve and, and we do what we can. But there comes this point, again, like we've been saying, it just it seems like we run out of energy. We try and all of a sudden it comes up empty and we feel like, do I have any more to give? And it's this, this constant cycle and, and then we kind of back off and we pull away and we wonder why does it feel like God is distant? Like our love is growing cold, and I just don't know if I have the effort and the energy. God, is it possible to love you with all that I am? So what I want to look at here is I, I, I think this idea of, of how do we make an effort? How do we put our effort forth? Well, this is not a new challenge for us. This is not a new challenge. This has been a challenge since Jesus spoke these words, since they were first spoken in the Old Testament. And 500 years ago, I think this challenge was captured really well on a ceiling painting in the Sistine Chapel. Have you guys ever seen the Sistine Chapel? Anyone ever been to the Sistine Chapel? All right, it's an amazing thing. I've got a chance to, to be there. I remember backpacking with my friend back when I was in seminary, and we went to Rome and went to the Vatican, and we came to the Sistine Chapel, and obviously, this, I'm sure this does it justice, right, just seeing it, on, seeing it on a screen. I mean, you walk into this thing, and it's just every square inch is just covered with amazing color and image and, and these amazingly painted pictures, and 500 years ago, painted by Michelangelo, the ceiling, right? He was commissioned to paint the ceiling. 
In all, he painted over 5,000 square feet of frescoes. That's a lot of painting. Right, so he spent a lot of years, he was working, and, and he had all these different images. And, and as you look at this image here, as, this, as you see this whole chapel, did you know that in the center of that ceiling, everything painted, in the very middle, there's actually a gap. There's actually nothing in the very center of the ceiling. Here's a picture of what's in the center. Thank you, Kyle, for the appropriately placed fig leaf. Um, very thoughtful of you. Um, let's just give it up for the communications department. Um, <laughs> I draw your attention to the center of that painting. Actually, let's go to the, no, 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 let's, let's, let's stick on this one here. So here at the center is the creation of Adam, right? This is called the creation of Adam. And, and what strikes you about this picture? As you see the difference between God and man, right? You see God just straining, reaching out of heaven with everything he had. It's almost like, oh, keep me, don't, you know, keep me from falling. I'm reaching out towards Adam. And what do you see? Adam representing man. Kind of chill kind of half-hearted comfy. I mean, he's hanging out on a cloud, right? It's this half-hearted effort. And you kind of look, and there you go. You see that gap right there in the middle. It's so close. What do you just want to say to Adam? <laughs> Extend the finger. Just reach out. Just, just put a little effort into it. Just do a little bit more, and you could touch God. God is there. He's all in. He's reaching out for you with everything you have. Adam, Adam, if you just would give a little bit more, he's there. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we reach out? How do we find that strength? How do we close that gap when God is reaching out for us? So the question is, how do we love God with all our strength and effort, our muchness? How do we give our muchness? How do we do that? First point I want to make is this. Pick up your sword. Grow your littleness, that little effort, into muchness. Pick up your sword. I want to look at Peter. And, and learn some things about Peter and the way that he loved God, the way he loved Jesus with all of his, his strength. So we could take you back to the, uh, the night where Jesus gathers his disciples for the Last Supper. They're all gathered around, they're, they're eating, and, um, and, and Jesus begins to tell them, here's what's going to unfold in the next couple of days. And he begins to tell them that he's going he's to be arrested, he's going to be punished, he's going to suffer, and ultimately he is going to die. Peter does not like this at all. And, and here's Peter. And Peter, if, we've, if you know Peter, and we've talked a little bit about him over the last several weeks, he's, he's just this, this, this guy that just jumps in head first. And here's his response when Jesus tells him that. He says in Matthew 26, 35, No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Peter was ready to leverage his strength, Right? I wonder if at that moment, right, and in and, and, and that moment he's saying, look, Jesus, I am all in. I mean, you can count on me. I'm going to die with you. Man, if somebody says to you, I'm willing to die with you, that's a pretty huge commitment, isn't it? I mean, that says that person is all in. They're all ready to do whatever it takes to, 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 to go. Well, then when Jesus left with the disciples, he said, we're going to go, we're going to go pray, and they go to the, the Garden of Gethsemane. At that point, we don't read about this, but somewhere between the dinner and, and going to the garden, Peter went and got his sword. He strapped on his sword. He went and he got it. And he put it under his cloak. And, and he, that's kind of an odd thing. How many of you guys have ever gone to prayer meeting and gotten a physical sword ready? Right, but he's saying, look, I, I'm all in, Jesus. And, and what you're saying, if this is what's about to go down, I am taking the hill for you. So they're at the garden. And they're praying. And, and this all-in Peter and all these all-in disciples, when Jesus is in his moment of need and praying, they all fell asleep. <laughs> So much for all that strength, right? They're tired. 
We're physical beings. Our bodies are tired, and they were sleeping well. Eventually, the, there comes a mob with torches in hand and, and Roman soldiers and, and the high priests and their temple guards, and they're coming with Judas to arrest Jesus. And as they're arriving, as they're coming, and, 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 and there they are with Jesus, Peter is ready. You know what he's ready to do? He's ready to take some action. John 18, 10. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. Go, Peter! We should, shouldn't we be celebrating that? No, you guys are like, ah, this is a trick question. I'm not, I'm not answering. I don't know. This is, I'm not sure what, where Mark's going with this. I mean, but here's Jesus. He's showing, right, his devotion, his effort. Like, you are not taking Jesus. Whew! You know, like, I mean, either he was a bad shot. I don't know. Maybe he went for the head. He only got the ear. I mean, he was a fisherman. But he was all in. He was all in. He was ready to fight for Jesus. And so he's demonstrating, I, I'm all, and he picked up his sword. But then the, as the evening goes, Jesus is arrested. Now Peter's saying, okay, well, um, i, I got to follow close behind. i got to see what's happening. And the crazy thing is, even in that dinner time, when, when, when Peter was with Jesus, Jesus was with Peter and the disciples, and Jesus was telling Peter everything that was going to happen, he actually said to Peter, you're going to deny me. And I think that was part of what, what, what Peter's reaction was. Like, no, Lord, I'm going to prove to you that I will not fail you, that I will not deny you. That's why he grabbed his sword. He was really serious. He was committed. But as he followed Jesus from a distance and as he watched him in these different you know, trials that he was on, and he was approached not once, not twice, but three times being asked, hey, hey, aren't you with Jesus? Aren't you one of his disciples? And what did Peter do each time? He denied Jesus. No, no, I don't even know the man. I've no, 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 I'm not, I wasn't with him, no. He's lying. He's denying. What happened to that strength? What happened to that fight? What happened to that sword? He was so ready to, to, to be all in for Jesus. And I can't imagine now what Peter was going through as he watched Jesus being uh, nailed to that cross. As that cross was hung up and he's watching, he's watching Jesus bleed to death. He's watching Jesus die, gasping for breath. He's watching Jesus being placed into the tomb and just thinking, what have I done? I have failed Jesus. Not only didn't I not stand up for him, not only did I, did, didn't I do what I could have maybe, but I denied him. I, I completely backed away. I, and he probably wondered, could God do anything with me? I'm done. As far as he was concerned, he was done. The story was done. Everything was over. I don't know if you can relate to Peter's story at all. I think sometimes those of us who've, who've given our lives to Christ, the moment when we come and, and we say, Lord, here's my life. I, I, I want to follow you. I, I give you my sin. I give you my junk. God, here's everything. I, save me. Give me a fresh new beginning. Set me free. There's a, there's a life there. There's a joy there. There's a passion there. And we love to see that when we experience people coming to faith new and then that fire and that zeal. And here's the thing. When we begin, we need to take up our sword. We need to fight that, those battles. We need to show what we can do and, and who we are and what we're capable of. And we demonstrate that love for Jesus. But there comes a point, I think, when you followed Christ for a, a time where you realize you failed. You haven't given your best. You haven't given your all. You've let Jesus down. Your strength just isn't enough. Peter flamed out. Peter denied. Peter was lost. So though taking up our sword is one way that we dis display our strength, going from littleness to muchness, in the end, we will always fall short. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't take up more effort, we shouldn't put in more, 
more love for Jesus in different ways, but there's got to be more to it than that. Here's the second point. Put down your sword. Let God turn your weakness into his strength. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was in the garden and he was being arrested, and Peter takes the sword, right, and he, he cuts off the ear of one of the servants. Here's what Jesus said. He said, put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? Put away your sword. Peter, this is not how I'm going to fight. This is not how we're going to win. This is not how we leverage our strength. Don't you understand that I have all authority, all power? I could call down thousands of angels. We could have this battle right now, and we would win hands down. But that's not how it's going to work in my kingdom. And Jesus demonstrated this entire week, beginning with Palm Sunday, this, this whole journey, how power looks different, how strength looks different in the kingdom of God. First of all, think about Jesus entering Jerusalem. I mean, I don't know if the pictures we have today are accurate, but I don't think it's a mighty act of power when you see somebody arriving into a city riding, a man riding side saddle on a donkey. <laughs> right? Jesus, meek and mild. People laying down palm branches. Oh, you want him to come in with a flaming chariot, <laughs> right? Spears and swords drawn, army, military, infantry, marching in step. <laughs> right, they're coming into a city. I mean, that's power. That's my, not, not some dude on a donkey claiming to be king, right? So if you're just an outside observer, this is what you're seeing. You're saying, I don't understand. How is this power? How is this the son of God? And then when Jesus is talking to his disciples at that Last Supper, and, and even before he does it, he's, he goes down and he washes their feet. He's serving them. He's saying, you know, even you're, as, a, as your master is serving you, go and serve others. Then he tells them that he's going to die. And he says he's not going to do anything about it. He's not going to stop it. And again, the disciples and Peter are thinking, Jesus, that's, that's weak. Why don't you step in? If you don't, then I will. Then I will take up my sword. That's what, what motivated and I think prompted Peter to do something about that. But Jesus, no, no. Then they go in the garden, and they're coming to arrest him. And, Peter, and Jesus just says, look, here I am. Why'd you come with this whole mob? I'm not going to resist. I'm going to come. Peter, put down your sword. This is not how we're going to do this. Then Jesus is before the high council. Now he's, he's, he's in, in, in one of his trials. And he's being accused, and all kinds of things are happening. Look at in Matthew, it says, Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, Prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who hit you that time? I mean, can you imagine being Jesus, having all the power and capabilities and possibilities, and yet the restraint in that kind of situation, being physically threatened and attacked and not doing anything? Then he's taken before the Roman governor, before Pilate. And, and Pilate is now rendering judgment on him. Should we set you free? And should we, you know, what should we do? Crucify him? And the crowd wants that. And he finds no fault. And he's having all these conversations. And here's what Jesus says to Pilate. You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. <laughs> do you see in Jesus' meekness, in Jesus' restraint, there's just this incredible power that we hear in him. You would have no power unless it was given to you. Then the Roman soldiers mock him and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they beat him and they whip him and eventually they nail him to a cross. Excruciating, brutal pictures, images that we see in scripture of how that execution of Jesus was taking place. And then while he's on the cross and, and, and here's what people are, they're, they're saying to him, save yourself. So you're the Messiah? 
Prove it by saving yourself. Every moment, every instant, Jesus could have rendered his physical power. He could have rendered his spiritual authority. Called down angels, stepped off that cross, done all kinds of things, and yet he didn't. Jesus demonstrated an amazing strength in what seemed like weakness. Where did that strength come from? You know, we hear on the cross in Luke 23, 46, he said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I think that's where we see this model of where strength comes from. Jesus laid down his physical human strength, even his spiritual authority in that moment to render and call angels. And he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I entrust myself into you because this is not a battle that I need to fight and win physically. Not in this kingdom, not here in this world. And so he laid it down. And I look at this idea of physical strength and, and, and spiritual strength. And we try so hard, but when we use our physical strength, when we work and we fight, every one of us knows at some point our physical strength comes to its end, doesn't it? All of you have used your phone at some point, and it comes to the point where it says uh, low power mode, <laughs> right? And you know, it just has, you're going to have to function a little differently. When you put it in low power mode, it doesn't do everything at its highest capacities and whatnot, and some of us are functioning on low power mode. We're functioning spiritually on low power mode. You're wondering, God, where are you? God, I'm in this struggle. I'm in this challenge. When will you come through? I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can continue to endure this. Put down your sword and let God turn your weakness into his strength. Our strength, our greatest strength, will never be realized until we come to the end of our strength. So I think when we begin this journey of picking up our sword, and I see this in young people, and I see this in, in new in the faith, we absolutely pick up our sword. We go with fire. We go with gusto. And there's things that we learn and do. And we need that life. And we need that energy. But at some point, we all realize there's an even greater strength that comes when we come to the end of our strength. When we come to that point where I've got nothing left to give, and that's when it begins and God steps in. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 and 10. Paul, who was this great warrior for Christ, Paul, who just endured all kinds of strength, things, one of the strongest people we can think of in Scripture, what he endured and what he went through. Here's what he writes. He said, my, he said, each time he heard God saying to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We can't receive God's power until we come to the end of ourselves. It's at that point where Jesus says, oh, okay, now. At, the, at your end, that's where God's beginning begins. That's where he starts, and that's where his power begins to work through you. That's where we begin to see, oh, here's where God is. And that's this mystery in this whole series that we're talking about all in, there's this mystery of how do we love God with all these different ways, and now we look at strength and we go, God, how do I love you with all my strength? Well, here's the mystery. While God asks us to love him with all our strength, he also promises to provide us that strength. So that's the thing. We, we try to do it on our own, and it comes empty, but when we give God what we have, he says, all right, I'm going to provide you that strength. I'm going to give you the very thing you lack. I mean, that's the power of the resurrection. That's when Jesus said, into your hands I commit my spirit into the Father. It's the power of the resurrection that took the very worst thing, death, the end of life, no strength. There's no other state that you can be in where you can be weaker than when you're dead. 
and he rose it to new life. And that's when the power of God came upon Christ in a way that brought the resurrection and brought him back to life. And that is the strength that we have when we come to the end of ourselves. When we say to Jesus, I don't have anything left to give. Here, I give it to you. He promises to give us the very thing we need. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. He didn't just say, come to me, all you who are strong and conquering mountains and do no wrong and have the strength to go for days, keep going. He says, come to me if you're weary and burdened, I'm gonna give you rest, I'm gonna help you renew. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And back to 2 Corinthians, what we just read. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's a mystery, isn't it? That's a mystery. How do we experience that in life? How do we come to that place where even some of the, the physically weakest people, some maybe who've gone through the most hardship, who are enduring suffering and pain and injury, depression, sadness, maybe even an older age, can be some of the strongest spiritual warriors. Because the strength isn't just about the physical strength. It's what God does when we allow him to transform us. You know, Peter thought it was all over for him. He gave the sword, he took up the sword, and it didn't work for him, and he failed. But look at Peter after the resurrection. You know, he went back, well, first, after the death, he went back to what he knew. He went back to fishing. He was hiding. He was afraid. But after the resurrection, there was something changed in Peter. Now, he saw Jesus again, and there was this moment where, where, where Jesus calls him back into relationship. They were fishing, and Jesus comes on the shore one morning, and, and Peter and, um, and, and Jesus come back together. And it's the first time Peter met Jesus after he denied him three times. And Peter asks him a question, actually one question three different times. He says, Peter, do you love me? And you think back to Peter saying, Lord, I love you with all my strength. I was ready to die for you. I was ready to take up the sword. But, but these questions being asked three times, once for each of the denials, just cut Peter to the bone, probably. And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. But now he's coming in weakness. He's coming in humility. He's coming in surrender. And you know what Jesus gives him at that moment? He gives him an assignment. He says, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Peter, I still want to use you. I want you to do some great things for me. Now I'm ready to, to you, let my power work through you. Now you're a different person. Now you've been changed. Now you've been broken. And you realize your own strength is only going to go so far. And we see Peter rise up and step up in an amazing way as we read and turn the pages into the, in, in, in the book of Acts and seeing the early church and Peter rising up with courage and power and strength and what God was able to do through him is amazing. So how do you love God with all your muchness? How are you doing with that? The reality is some of us need to pick up our sword. Some of us have just been too comfortable. Some of us have been too lazy. I think it's, uh, you know, I, I gave my heart to Christ and now I'm just on autopilot. Love takes work. Love takes effort. Love takes serving. Love takes your strength. It really does. But we do it out of a motivation because of what Christ did for us. And some of us, we've been trying and fighting so hard and so long, you know what? We need to put our swords down. You need to come to a place and say, God, I can't anymore. I need you to come and to give me your strength right now. You know, as I was thinking about this and this idea of being all in, what's all? And we want to think of all of just 100%. But you know what? For some of us today, all, all might just mean it's all I have left. 
your all might be just all that you have left. And you know what? That's exactly what's enough. That's exactly what Jesus says. Bring that to me. Give that to me. It's enough. Your all is just what you have to give. And if you can't give more than you can give right now, that's what you give to God. And God takes that and he says, I will multiply that. I will give you the strength. I think about stories like the, the, the widow's mite, the widow's coins that she put in the offering where Jesus watched and she put in these two little coins and other people were doing more. But Jesus said, look, she gave all she had to give. And he honored that and he blessed that. He says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can move mountains. God takes the little that you have, a little strength, whatever you have, you give it to him, and he will multiply it, and he will leverage it, and he will give you the strength that you need to do what you can for him. And as I think about that in this whole series that we've been talking about, heart, soul, mind, and strength, think through each of these four areas. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and we realize, man, my heart's not always all in it. My heart's grown cold. Well, What did Jesus promise? He says, I will give you a new heart. See, Jesus just says, bring me what you have and I will make it what it needs to be. I'll give you a new heart. I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. When it comes to all of our soul, I feel empty. I feel dry. I can't say, you know, it is well in my soul. What did Jesus say? I'm going to breathe my spirit into you. I'm going to bring these dead bones back to life. I will give you rest. As we heard last week about mind, when we say, you know, I don't know if my mind is in the right place and my thoughts are where they need to be and if I can love God with all that. He says, give me, give me your mind. Give me your thoughts. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a new mind. I'm going to renew your thoughts. I'm going to renew your mind. And same thing here with strength. Jesus says, just bring me what you've got. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. All in. Isn't this bar that we kind of go, I can never achieve it. We will always fail. We're never going to be able to be all in. But through Christ, because he was all in for us first, we can be all in for him. And that's the key. That we say, Jesus, here, take what I have. I give it to you. And Jesus always honors that. And he will give you exactly what you need. I just want to close with this picture. Look at this picture again, those hands. God is reaching out to you. He's straining for you. He's longing for relationship with you. He loves you. He created you. He made you. He's just asking for you to reach out. He's there for you. Give him what you have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this Palm Sunday, we celebrate you as king. God, you came to establish a kingdom not like the kingdoms of this world, not like what we're seeing in war taking place in our world. God, that just leaves us in destruction and disaster. God, you came to establish a different kind of kingdom. You exerted your power in a different way. Father, as human beings, we grow tired. We grow weary. Our bodies fail us. Our energy fails us. And Father, we confess, God, we've not loved you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But Lord, we love you and we give you thanks. And we're reminded this week of your incredible love for us on the cross. God, that you were all in for us. That you took our sin You took our shame, you took our guilt, you took our weakness. And Father, you transformed it on that cross and through that tomb. And Father, I pray that you would give us new life. Today, Lord, we give you whatever we have. We come, whether we're strong or feeling weak today, God, we give you all we have to give. And we say thank you, Lord. Renew us and give us hope and give us strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.